everyone, I'm Dana and I'm just winging it. There's some things I know for sure, but a whole lot I'm figuring out along the way. Truth is, we really don't have it all together. So on this podcast, we explore the inner workings of life from an honest and vulnerable perspective, getting to know the real truth behind it all, that we are really all just winging it. Hi, Musa. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's so good to hear you. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I feel like a little baby. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Wow. Uh, Is my sound okay? Your sound is great. Can you hear me perfectly? Yes, I can. Perfect. How have you been? Ah, surviving, as always. <laughs> I was seeing someone on Twitter yesterday saying how, so, you know, there are one person living in a flat and their gas bill is 345 pounds. Oh, I, like, I saw that tweet and I was like, Lord, <laughs> what is going on? I, I don't understand anymore. Wow. I was like, no, it's not possible. This is supposed to be, you know how like, you're like, this is a first world country. (laughs) Things are supposed to be moving. Alas. No, life is not moving anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Like genuinely, I feel, I feel like people are, okay, not everyone, Mm. but a lot of people are just getting by. Like just from today to tomorrow, people are just getting by. Mm. no it's in, it's insane i think i genuinely don't think it's okay let me not say it's never been this bad because god knows what happened in those 1940s or whatever but like <sighs> we're not thriving are we i don't think so i don't i think the thing is especially like maybe with not not even just the uk i see it even in zim or yeah i there are two sides of life. There are people who are having the best time of their lives and genuinely living it up and they've got the resources to do so and the privilege yeah. to do so. Yeah. And there are genuinely people who are struggling just to get by. So I guess seeing the two disparities, sometimes when you, especially when you move in both lanes, mm-hmm. It's it's really hard because you're just like, how can the two coexist? Where yeah. people are struggling and some people are having the very best times of their lives. Like, how does it even make sense? It's true. It almost feels like we're living in two completely different planets with yeah. just form of like window to access the other, you know, planet yeah. and kind of see what's happening there, which is... <sighs> and unfortunately, things like social media then make people see make it seem like we're all having the same experience we're not Mm. we're really not and you see people trying to keep up with what they think are trends what they think are you know the the things to aspire for and they're not really it's It's just keeping up appearances and i I don't know to what end because i keep asking myself to what to what end are we like whose validation are we seeking ultimately I think I think the world has become so external facing. Mm. So it's no longer about like, you know, your internal world and how you view yourself no. and your path. It's really about like how do people see me? How do they perceive me? Yeah. How would I step in this place and what would it be like? Yeah. And so you completely lose focus with who you are as a person, who mm. you want to 
be and who you're going to be and so everything is so external facing and so it's so it's so difficult because i think the one thing about twitter is that it's such it's like it's like 10 million different voices which it really is mm-hmm. all speaking at the same time all these completely different you know ideas and experiences and you know motivation there you have have an idea that opposes what the majority think is right yeah yeah people will come for you cancel culture people will drag you sub i'm just like (laughs) yeah (laughs) we need to this is why like i love the podcast because what you've done is you're taking back the space and making it your own like your own space that you can slow down life and look yeah. at things from a, a different perspective and a very normal one. Should dare I say that word? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Just a, a, a reality check. And I, I feel like we need reality checks a lot more than we... I think we've overdone the therapy, but now it's more... We need reality mm-hmm. checks. Reality checks. And those check-ins with yourself, having meaningful conversations yeah. with people that are very grounding. And not, oh, not everything has to be aspirational and great and beautiful. Oh my gosh, like it's you not know, real. <laughs> honestly, because even like so these past two weeks I've not put out an episode. Mm-hmm. Um one because I have like it's just not been in me. Mm-hmm. Um, let me say that one. Like I've like life has just been happening. Um and so as the you know, days were going by and I was like, oh my, I've not put out an episode, you know, what am I doing? I'm not serious. I'm not consistent. You know, I need to churn out content. I need to churn, Mm -hmm. churn, churn, you know? And then I think it was just like, like two or three days ago, I was like, this for me was a form of rest. Mm. It was not to keep up with, with how podcasts are done. It was not to keep up with, you know, with any sort of appearances or to mm-hmm. even get like 1,000, over 1,000 followers. Would it be great? Sure. But my whole focus was not the vanity metrics aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I had to come back into myself and be like, it's okay if your body is not able to. Yeah. It's okay if your mind is genuinely just like, I, you know, I, I genuinely can't sit down and edit mm-hmm. a 60-minute podcast. Not because I'm lazy, mm-hmm. not because I've not done it, but because my mind and my body is actually just unable to. And it's know. dealing um, with other things. Yeah. A, a podcast is just one part of your life. Oh, yeah. It's one part of it. So you've got the rest of your life to actually live out and, and be yeah. present and be. And that's okay. Man, you know, because I think I was even talking to someone today who was saying how just talking we're talking about the hustler culture you know Mm. constantly hustling 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 to get this and get that and do this and do that never coming from the best intentions Mm -hmm. because um you know it's one thing to be ambitious you're just genuinely an an ambitious person who genuinely loves doing stuff it's another thing for that ambition to come from sort of a greed of wanting to accumulate and wanting Mm -hmm. to just want and wanting to just have Mm -hmm. and wanting like you've you know reached a certain status as opposed to you know just following your ambition in the most positive and healthy manner um and this hustler culture is killing us honestly it is because the the, the noise is you have to be the at the very top of your either skill trade whatever you're doing you have to be the best you have to be achieving accumulating 
yeah. moving up and moving up has certain metrics like you know your promotions and mm. and so like if you don't and this is something i've been asking myself a lot like what if you genuinely are not you don't want that mm. what if you genuinely just are content and you just want to be able to hold down a job to go yeah. home to cook good meals and maybe your your value of success and the things that you're more vested in have mm. nothing to do with the workplace have nothing to oh, yeah. do with a career mm. it's about you know building friendships networks yeah. talking to people oh yeah i think i think it's also something we have to purposely and relearn yeah uh, how to do and i think also allowing people to you know even just the word contentment is such a <laughs> you know when someone when you tell someone no i'm content they're like you're not ambitious you don't yes. want more for your life you know we yes. always look at contentment in opposition to ambition ambition or mm. uh, success and mm. you know i love how you said sometimes honestly you just want to go to work come back put your feet up watch a show sleep wake up the next day, meet a friend for brunch, mm. you know, laugh about life, go to a museum, come back, and, like, that's it. No, and you not know. everyone wants to change the world on a global level. Oh, yeah. I I was just reflecting on my my own, like, you know, journey yeah. of life. And um, I asked myself, okay, Musa, like, people have what they expect you should be doing or should do and whatever. But what is it that you really, really Mm -hmm. want? And I realized just by reflection that everything I'd ever done was never to become a career woman, like Mm -hmm. work in the, I I never, I've got certain skills that are great and have been tested and graded, whatever, but they don't, I don't, I've never worked towards using them on a global scale. Mm. I've always channeled them to change my friends, to mm. change my family, to build my networks. That's, that's always what I've done. And I, I had to stop and say, wow, okay, like clearly your values are somewhere else. You've chosen and been working towards this thing without necessarily being very conscious of it or vocal about it. I think that's mm. the other thing. Like not everything needs to be like a goal that's on LinkedIn. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I'm working towards this thing. I've done the certificate. Sometimes I'm yeah. just working towards having a better relationship with my family. Like, Oh yeah. It's, oh, it, 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 it's a it's big deal. And complicated at the same yeah. time. <laughs> it, it, it requires for me, it's, all the negotiation skills I learned in class, I use them there. Mediation, I use them there. Diplomas, I use they even call me the diplomat at home because I'm, you know, trying to have peace talks between this person and that person. Yeah. So just that appreciation that you might not be looking to do things on a global scale. Maybe you want to start with the very basic unit of a political oh, yeah. system, which is your family. Oh yeah. Which is the community that you live in. And, and if you're happy right, right. just doing that, yeah, okay. It's actually oh my gosh, like it's okay. Yeah, like it's it's more than okay. In fact, no one needs to tell you it's okay. The validation thing. This so this is the thing that, I, like, 
you when you said let's do this podcast i was really happy because i was like i think for the first time i mean you know i started a podcast before yeah yeah and i i think when i did it at that time it was from a place of hurt right Mm -hmm. and i just needed to vent which is what a lot of podcasts start off as Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially women who it's true we we it's a venting space we want to vent right i think i did like four or five episodes and i realized Okay, I've said everything I wanted to say. That was my guess. <laughs> how, how do I continue this? And I discontinued because really I had, there was no more fuel. Yeah. You know, because I had healed. Mm. Yeah. And so when you said, let's do this podcast, for the first time I was like, I think now I have something to say, not from a point mm-hmm. of hurt, not from a point of I have accomplished this and, you know, now I have this to show, which was another reason why I felt, oh my gosh, I can't, there's nothing for me to be putting out there because I haven't accomplished mm. anything, you mm. know? And now it's more speaking from a place of I of reflection and mm. acceptance of saying, oh, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. And this is what I want. Mm. And um, I think having this discussion on just like validation, you ask yourself when you do certain things in life, whose validation are you seeking? Mm. A lot of people, well, some people have the need to be validated by their parents. So they'll go to school and get these awards and degrees and degrees and jobs because they want their parents to be proud of them. Yeah. Right. Some people do it for the validation of proving (coughs) everyone wrong, everyone who mm. probably said they wouldn't be able to do it. So yeah. they want that public validation of you did it. You said you overcame yeah. certain things, um, but you actually did it. Yeah, That's some validation. But I think the greatest validation you need in life is validation from yourself. Mm. And, and just not waiting for anyone else to affirm the things you're doing or to mm. affirm the the things that you're aspiring for but for yourself to actually say it's okay like yeah. the amount of times i say it's okay to myself in a day <laughs> you have i was to. walking around with a mic <laughs> you would be shocked <laughs> i always i'm like it's okay it's okay it's okay, it's okay. Mm. It's okay. and and i was really glad when you chose the topic about redirection in life mm. because i think we all at least the way I know I've been brought up and not just in, in the home, but just generally even by society is that life kind of follows a linear path. Mm. You know? So I go to school, finish, go to uni, finish, get a job, then get married, then get kids, you know, then probably get a promotion. Then after that, you know, probably start looking for land in the village to, you know, mm-hmm. settle down and build my retirement home. And then, you know, just this linear path that things are supposed to follow. Mm-hmm. So when things don't go as planned, and the question I started asking is, like, whose plan? Because, you know, the reality is um, you could think that this is your plan, the plan you've Mm -hmm. had for yourself. Then when you dig deeper, you realize it's other people's plans for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the unconventional path or the redirected path you're following is actually your path, Mm -hmm. not the path someone else had for you. But then there's that struggle of like, 
you know, who am I? What am I doing? Am I in the right place, in the right space? And just accepting that life has redirected you mm. or life is actually aligning you mm. where it is you're supposed to be. Um, but, you know, please share your story on like redirection in life. And I know it's a, that's such a broad topic, but in terms of just where you, you you know, how you've gotten to where you're at now that, you know, I feel comes from such acceptance, mm. um, you know, of where you're at and where life has brought you um, and just what that journey has been. Where to begin with the story? <laughs> <laughs> That's always the problem. <laughs> no, because when you start digging deep, yeah, you realize your journey of redirection or, or finding alignment starts from inception mm. it, it really starts from there yeah things that happen along the way in your childhood that redirects where you know your story could have gone yeah. have you i don't know if you've watched um everything everywhere all at once yes yes oh. i watched that movie on the weekend and for in the first like 10 or so minutes i could relate to that woman I was yeah. like, ma'am, I get you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I completely get you where you are going through the daily tasks. You're yeah. going through the day-to-day activities. Mm. But you sometimes, you have this just nagging feel of, there's just something missing. Yeah. Or what could have been. And mm. it, it's nice that, you know, we've actually got a visual where she's able to see the different versions yeah. of herself. And yeah. I wish people well all of us could have that yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. so yeah that's the, so my story for me starts when I'm young mm. and um I grew up in a I was born in a in a churchy family my mm-hmm. dad is a pastor my mom was a pastor's wife mm-hmm. um and when when your parents are telling you oh you know we met when we were young teenagers at church mm. grew in love you know had this beautiful baby you think wow like that that was probably you know the foundation of a, yeah. a great story but yeah. as life would have it it doesn't always go as planned mm-hmm. um so i think when my parents my my dad walked out on us when mm-hmm. i was six Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom, who had never dreamed of becoming a single mom, suddenly becomes a single mom, yeah. you know, and she's left with two kids, uh, a mortgage and life yeah. in a city that she had moved to because of her husband. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, as an adult, I'm just like, wow, <laughs> I don't know how she did it. Yeah. I would have just falling apart and said what the hell but you know and maybe she did in her own private corner yeah maybe she did but we never saw that we just saw this strong formidable woman who was like i'm gonna give my kids into good schools they're gonna get an education they're going to be decent human beings they will have a curfew they will not be out at night (laughs) you know and she instilled those values um and, and I honestly, I have such admiration for my mom. Yeah. But yeah, um, I grew up raised by a single mom who was very, very strict. Oh, very strict. Like every yeah. other African parent. <laughs> very, the script is very missing. strict. Yeah. But 
very she she raised me to be independent mm. so you know when like when you're being taught to cook most times girls are said oh come come learn how to cook so one day you'll be cooking for your family one day you'll cook for your husband my mom was the type of person who'd say come and learn how to cook so that you don't die <laughs> it's a basic life lesson you need so that you don't die honestly it's a life skill that's just what it is but just that framing for it yeah. made it different because when i as a grown-up now i don't think of cooking as this chore that i have to do for mm-hmm. my family it's basically so that i have food in my belly or in the people who are around me need to have food yeah. so that they survive you know yeah yeah um she yeah she raised me to be super independent she she was never like she never babied me so mm. i was doing tough love <laughs> mm. very tough love which meant that you couldn't just you know be emotional 24 7 time for that you suck up those tears strong i i don't remember ever skipping school oh um you you would go to school and be sick there they'll call the doctor there (laughs) (laughs) there was no one yeah we i think we had a maid um the last maid we had actually was just before my dad left and Mm. my mom was like okay i can't afford a maid everyone's got to pull their weight yeah and she's going to a six-year-old um but yeah you would come back from school you would have a chore with it was putting dishes in the sink you know things that seem very oh you know that's terrible but they actually made me an independent person who knows Mm. we've got responsibilities in the home yeah we you can't you don't just come home and uh, things are done you actually Mm. have to do them my mom was the type of person who uh when it comes to, to money, she would come home with a pay slip and mm-hmm. she'd sit down with me, my younger brother, and she'd be like, this is how much I'm getting. Let's do a budget. How much is mm-hmm. your school fees? Uh, okay, your brother's school fees. How much are we putting to electricity, uh, grocery? Like, it, mm-hmm. I was, I, I w- it, there was never a time where I was made to feel like a child. And oh, not God, to say God. like I missed a childhood because I would go outside and play with kids. Then. Yeah. But she she was able to show me that this is life. Mm. And I appreciated the reason why I'm starting there is because it's formed who I am now. Yeah. I'm very like realistic about life. It's mm-hmm. there's no rosy tainted glasses. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I I I I'm very objective about certain things because I was raised yeah. that way. Yeah. So yeah, little six-year-old Musa grows up. Um and I went to really good schools, you know, for mm. a single parent on a teacher's salary. Nah, my mm. mom made sure to send us to good schools, got a good education. And I wasn't an A-star student. Like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, when I, when I think at my, look back at my reports and stuff, it's like, I was just barely getting my yeah. school. <laughs> <laughs> you were just somewhere there. I was just somewhere there. So we have this running joke in my family where I'm the hardworking one because, you know, I had to yeah. read it tonight to catch up. My brother's the intelligent <laughs> one who just gets it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had to read, you know, extra and be pushed because I was very playful. Mm. Um, but I, I managed to do okay, you know, get get through school and I remember when I was in when I was in high school that's when you start talking about careers oh, so you see yeah. the thing about when you come from a very I don't want to say poor because we weren't poor we were just okay 
like mm-hmm. we were okay oh we never went to bed hungry we were just okay, okay. your ambitions in life like you the way you look at life and dream and hope is different from someone who's probably more exposed or mm-hmm. knows that they have certain opportunities or privileges yeah so for me my mom who was a teacher my dad was a pastor and a soldier mm-hmm. and i just wanted like not necessarily like a basic job yeah i just wanted a job because for mm-hmm. me seeing my parents whistle servants going to work and being able to do xyz was oh okay so you go to school you get a job yeah. um but i remember like one of my cousins had was visiting from the uk and she had just studied or started studying criminology mm-hmm. like, oh what's that about and um I started looking up all oh, criminology, like and international relations. I don't know how I stumbled into international. And I told myself I was going to do international relations. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, <laughs> but, but I needed just to study that. Yeah. Uh, and God bless my mom. She's very supportive because mm-hmm. if you're in Africa and your child tells you that they want to study international relations. Oh, <laughs> oh tell most... me about it. I was <laughs> most parents are just like, what? <laughs> My mom's like, okay, uh, where, you know? And we looked at like the um, public universities, the government universities, and mm-hmm. it wasn't being offered then as a first degree. It was offered as a master's. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, but this private university offers it as a first degree. It was actually um, peace and conflict, but then you could do the master's in international mm-hmm. relations. And I, I know my mom was like struggling just to make ends meet but she was like okay if that's the degree that you want to do go do it you know you you will find what to do with it later on but just go do it pursue Mm. what you believe in and what you want and I went and did that degree um and afterwards (laughs) you see the thing about redirection and delay that's why I said redirection and delay so it's been my journey where you thought one thing and then you ended up in another thing so Mm. Um, I finished my degree at that time. Uh, oh, I should please context. I born raised Zimbabwe, so yes. Zimbabwe is just chaos. <laughs> Every day something changes. So by the time I finished my degree, things were really bad. Yeah. Um, and finding jobs because ideally with that first degree, you were meant to be able to work in like NGO in the NGO sector. Yeah. Um, and as we know in Africa, unless you've got connections. <laughs> it's oh, very difficult out. to just apply yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I finished in December I remember finishing my thesis in December mm-hmm. and I I left uni on the 24th of December yeah I was one of the last people to leave uni because you know mm-hmm. slow but steady yeah. um, <laughs> so I left yeah I left uni on the 24th of December on the 16th of January I started my first post, uh, post school or post uni job. Mm-hmm. Please note, okay. I started working. This is not my first first job because, yeah, my mother being my mother, she was always job for money. So you you always yeah. get to work your holidays. Your yeah. I started looking for work when I was fifteen. Yeah. Um, and every single holiday from the time I was fifteen, I would I used to work, mm-hmm. whether it was working for my mom's business or working yeah. at some point I, I, na- I went and became a nanny at one of her friend's places because yeah. the nanny had left the kids alone 
I went there and spent a month taking care of kids. Like I always had something to do because my yeah. mom believed in idle minds. Devil's oh, devil. <laughs> oh, devil. devil will play. Yes. So if you are working, you're busy. And if you're busy, yeah. you're making your own money that you can mm. spend your own money. Mm. Mm. So this is my first post-uni job. And you know when you've just graduated and you've got a bit of pride in the fact yeah. that you've completed this degree and you're thinking, oh, you know, I should be landing a job in an office sitting somewhere. Mm. My first job post-uni was selling fridges. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you know, out of all the things I was expecting, mm. I don't think that even crossed my mind as an option. <laughs> selling fridges um our neighbor at that time had a business where they would make um refrigeration uh, equipment for businesses so they used to make those you know those display fridges that you put trees yeah they used to make those and cold rooms and so they used to do like industrial size stuff Mm-hmm. And so they had like a showroom, <laughs> which was at the top of a hill with a single office, literally like a one oh. room and then like a whole floor, which is just filled with products. Yeah, that was my job to manage the showroom. So I would sit there up in the hill um, all day by myself. Uh, wow. In this tiny little office, um, making sure the fridges were clean and no one's stealing them. And if people came around to see them, you know, I'd you know do a wholesale pitch. Yeah. And because they were like industrial fridges, you'd only have a client maybe twice a month, or if oh you're very God. lucky, once a week. Oh my god! Which meant that a lot of time I was just sitting there by myself in that little office so I'd get there in the morning and the first thing I had to do because it wasn't like a a built up showroom it was literally just a slab of floor with like a a covering and then the and it's outdoors and so you get there in the morning I I even have I think I still have a picture of the bugs that I used to clean the fridges because I'd have to like clean and wipe them and you know make sure polish them and they shine beautifully every day wow that was my first post-uni job after doing uni for four years this is (laughs) the job that you get this is actually stressing me out because i I get i get actually i feel like just if i go to like what you'd be thinking at that Mm point in time because you know the idea of being in union studying for four years mm. is that you come out a person of like it's like there's certain you you've stepped up a notch yes. and there's only certain things that you should be doing that you should be doing and mm-hmm. this degree puts you in a certain kind of class mm. or yes. certain kinds of jobs yes. and so I can imagine the I know, and I, I'd be putting the words so you can correct me, but just kind of like also the confusion of like, mm. how did I get here? Mm. Um, and what is what am I actually doing here? Yes. And like, how how am I going to grow from here? And what the hell did I do for four years then? Precisely. So you're going through all these emotion, plus your youth, because I I was 24 when I finished my degree. 
-hmm. and you know you're you're still young your friends are doing well (laughs) people are moving up people are moving abroad and you're just there thinking what happened to me Mm. you know but what that time gave me when i was sitting in that office what that job gave me was time because yes, I'd be sitting in the office, I'd reply to a couple emails. I, you know, started there, what's it called? Um, social media. Mm-hmm. I took pictures of the fridges and make them look nice online. Yeah. It gave me time to explore other things. Mm. And as you grow older, you realize time is the most precious thing you can ever have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's during this time that I was like, oh, okay, so say I wanted to you know apply for a master's. You know, how, mm-hmm. like, what do I want to st- And I started reading up because I had the time to, and I had yeah. the space to, I was in a office by myself. Yeah. I had no distractions. There was literally no one around. <laughs> and so I had all the time in the world to look at things and to read. And that's exactly what I did. So when I applied for my master's, I applied it while I was sitting in that office in that, for that job. Wow. And I got my master's offer from SOAS um, in 2016. Now, so, you get... Um, sorry, just mm-hmm. uh, clarify SOAS for those who may not... Oh, um, it's the School of Oriental and African Studies. Great. In London. So it's specialized, um, and a lot of people who learn there are, you know, mostly people who, especially my the program that I did, which was... Um, international studies and diplomacy it's people who Mm -hmm. end up working for your uns who work in foreign services around the world um Mm -hmm. so it's a really good school shout out to soas um Mm -hmm. so (laughs) i got a place for soas while i was you know sitting there in that office and you know like when you look around you're like okay (laughs) this is me dreaming and hey i actually got in (laughs) which is wild wow but then your reality doesn't say that doesn't reflect that so your reality is you're sitting in this office you're making a bare minimum salary you're helping out pay bills at home oh i should put the context that at that point my mom had had lost her job so basically i had stepped up as the uh breadwinner at home and so you have all these responsibilities and you're just sitting there thinking oh how how will i even get there (laughs) Like, uh, how is it even possible? Mm. I got that offer in 2016. And there was no way between getting an offer letter in May and starting in September that I was going to raise 24,000 pounds. Actually, the whole uh, cost ended up being 41,000, including accommodation and stipend and ETC. And I was just there thinking... Dear Lord, <laughs> I, I I applied in faith, so I don't know. You but, better do something. Yeah, you better. I've done my part. Yeah. Yours. So I realized you could um, apply for, what do they call it when you push by a year? Defer. Yes. So mm-hmm. I deferred my offer by a year. So instead of starting 2016, start 2017. Mm-hmm. And during that year, um of 2016 and 2017 i managed to move jobs so i again sitting in that office one day reading the newspaper decided to apply for a job at edgar's which is a big clothing company 
in mm-hmm. Zimbabwe. And again, you know, when you do things, as I said, when people tend to rely a lot on networks and mm. um, nepotism, yes, mm. <laughs> let's call it what it is, to yeah. get jobs, right? And so when yeah. you don't have that network and you don't have those connections, you really are just winging it. You're just, oh, yeah. when you apply, you're just throwing your your drop in the ocean. It's or you and you are that's exactly and i remember applying for this job at edgar's and they were looking for someone (laughs) they were looking for someone to to be a pr and comms uh person and -hmm. they were looking for someone with a pr degree who could do xyz um actually let me backtrack my story a bit so Mm -hmm. while i was doing my first degree those four years we had mm-hmm. a year of what we call detachment internship. Mm-hmm. And during that year, you're supposed to be attached or interning at, interning at an organization where they're testing your skills and getting some practice into the field that you're studying for. But because of how difficult it is to get into government jobs or civil service, civil society jobs, I, I didn't find an internship that aligned specifically with my degree program. Mm-hmm. Instead, I someone took a chance on me and gave me an internship at a media house, and I would then write articles about civil society okay. and do social media around the work they were doing. Right, so mm-hmm. it gave me those social media skills. Now, fast forward, I'm applying for this job at Edgar's, and yes, their paper or ad says, "Oh, we need someone with a." three-year PR degree. We need someone with this, this, and that. I wrote my application. I don't have that degree. I've got a degree in this, but I have the skills that you need. And I listed them. And when I went for my interview, uh, I got the job. When I went for the interview, and then when I got the job, my boss at that, said, at that time said to me, I took you because of, I, I, I took a chance because of how you wrote your application letter. Oh. You knew exactly what you didn't have and what you did have and you 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 were like this is who i am and i can do this and oh. i aced the exams that they the test that they put me through and i got the job so here i was doing pr comms for a company again i've not studied pr comms but yeah. i've acquired skills in the different opportunities that i've been able to just get mm-hmm. and this is why redirection doesn't necessarily mean you're not moving up or moving ahead Mm. there is a every skill every lesson you learn is something that you will use in the future and Mm. i I, that's my greatest message whenever i talk to young people i'm always like don't be discouraged by where you are right now ask yourself what transferable skill can i hone in on and make sure i learn so that i can use it later on It's it, something as basic as, you know, taking care of kids. You're learning patience. You're learning how to manage your home. It's a transferable skill that you will use somewhere else. Oh, yeah. But don't ever take for granted that, oh, I'm in this measly job. Oh, I'm in this thing that's not aligned to my degree. You're learning something. You're getting a skill. You're getting a tool. And you will use it later on. Mm. So my job at Edgar's. Gave me a bit of a pay rise and, you know, working in a different space. Now I was working as part of a team. Mm. I was no longer isolated. 
uh, on top of my fridges. <laughs> I wasn't cleaning out bugs in the morning. <laughs> now I was doing more fashion-related things. And I remember one of my tasks was writing a fashion article for the newspaper. <laughs> Don't know if I tell you the first, second, and third article. I used to laugh. I'd be like, people can't be seriously reading this. <laughs> Have people seen what I wear? <laughs> and I'm out here giving fashion advice. <laughs> Do you know what? Like, but in life you must fake it as you're doing it. You just have to fake it as you're doing it. Yeah. And there was one gentleman. He was head of security. I kid you not. He was head of mm-hmm. security, yes. and he used to read our articles like in the newspaper religiously. So head of security. Yes. So he came to me the first time. He's like, Musa, I really like your article. And you know, he's like, so he's head of security. Obviously, he's like this big man. Like he's you. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like <laughs> I was so stressed. I was like, yeah. like this man is just gonna tell me I'm rubbish, writing rubbish, <laughs> and I'm if the head of security is going to say that, really, <laughs> where am I? And he was like, no, I really love your article. I'm actually gonna try this. I'm like, wow. Okay, oh, so what I'm doing has an impact. There is an audience. So I started being more mindful about how I started writing. So I was like, okay, people actually do read this and do listen. And I, I grew that skill of just writing about fashion. I might mm. not necessarily look like a fashionista, but yeah. <laughs> you have the skill can, of writing about yeah, it. Yeah, I can write about it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I thrived in that job because I, I was doing all the things that I'd learned during my little internship, my internship was maybe four or five months, but yeah. here it had landed me a whole job and I was there yeah. for a good year. Wow. And during that year, remember I have that place that I deferred. Yes. So as I was writing applications left, right and center for scholarships. Wow. I got so many rejections, Dada, that I stopped speaking about them. <laughs> You get one and you just let me see. I know that thing where like mm. you get another email and you just like it, it's you know like, it, you just yeah you know just like, ah, okay you just kind of add it to the rejection bunch yeah. and move on yeah because you're like okay you know I kind of know the drill here yeah. I know how this goes yeah once you, you see it you even manage your expectations just like oh, oh yeah I'm not gonna get this one but I'm just oh, gonna yeah. apply so that I can it's say true. I applied. You applied at least you mm. no one can ever say that you didn't try. Yeah. And I'd given up by like May the following. I had given up because I was like, like, I'm not gonna get a scholarship. Yeah. Clearly, all the big ones have rejected me. Yeah. <sighs> you know, maybe this is my life. Now it's ready mm-hmm. to test oh, well, how how else do I get to where I think I wanna go from where yeah. I'm at? So I was not looking at like local universities and like mm-hmm. local masters programs I could do while I was working. Yeah. And then this one day, so I even started going to like workshops and stuff. This one day I dragged my brother to a workshop on digital marketing. Mm-hmm. He was bored out of his mind. I, he was just there because he was <laughs> driving me. Yeah. Um, but I was there, you know, keenly listening because I was like, okay, if I'm not going to learn anything else, let me just learn mm-hmm. what I can and absorb as much as I can now. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in that uh, workshop when I got the email that I'd received a scholarship to SOAS from the university itself. Wow. And, you know, all the other universities, uh, all the other scholarships were either partial 
or if yeah. you're full, they'd have that. You have to go back to your country. Yes. They, they all had strings attached to them. This one yeah. came as we're paying your school fees. We've got accommodation. You've got a stipend. And everything. I was like, dear Lord. <laughs> everything, everything, everything all at once. Everything. And wow. that was another redirection in my life. Because now I had settled in this job, but now I had to yeah. think, okay, now I have to leave. I have to pack. I have to do this, right? Mm. And I had about four months to get everything in order. Yeah. Um, and so it started another journey of wanting to go to the UK to do my master's. Mm. Um, and I, my, my, my boss reminded me that on my leaving day, she's like, Musa, when you started here, you said this was just a stepping stone, like a starting stone. Yeah. You, you said in your own words that you were going to be here for a year or two, but you wanted to do your master's. And I'm so proud of you that you've actually done it. A lot oh. of people would have just settled. To say, Man, I've done job, that's it. It makes me think of how many times we actually just settled into comfort. Yes. And we, we settle because we've been redirected or something has not gone mm. according to plan. But it doesn't necessarily follow that you have to settle. Yeah. If you want something, you can still get it. Yeah. How you get there might not look like what you thought it would. Mm. And that's okay. That's that's okay. It just always needs to be amplified. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just would be like times a thousand. Yeah. Um, it was all happy days. I was applying for my, you know, visa, doing my TB test, doing this and that, and then um, I get the call. Oh, your visa's ready to collect. Your passport is ready to collect, and I was so happy. Yeah. I got into public transport and I texted my brother's like, oh, where are you? And he's like, I'm around in town. I was like, oh, I'm going to collect my passport. He's like, let me drive you. And just as we are turning from one road into the road that literally leads to the visa place, we got hit by a car. Oh, my gosh. And we both blacked out. He had oh. a really bad concussion. I just had a fracture on my leg but at that time I didn't know it was broken I yeah. just thought it was painful and my knee looked worse because my knee was actually swollen oh my gosh this is just just outside the building and I remember coming to and waking up and realizing we've been hit and the car was a write-off um, luckily what? no one got hurt from both cars I like got hurt as in seriously, seriously hurt. I think I was the only person who like broke something, but like, yeah. God, I, I, God's protection, no one died or anything. Yeah. And I woke up on the lawn just outside that build, the visa building, and my, I started screaming, just let me go get my passport. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. And they wouldn't allow me because they're like, the paramedics need to take you first, and then you can yeah. come back. And I was like, I'm supposed to leave in three days. It was three days. Three days to me leaving. I was in an accident. And I remember sitting in the hospital and thinking, God, I've already quit my job. <laughs> I've, oh. packed, I've given away things. I, I, I'm ready to leave. How can this happen? But my mom, again, being the strong person that she is, I mean, imagine getting a call that both your kids are in hospital. Oh, my gosh. She came, 
she we had to wait a couple of hours for the neurosurgeon to see my brother and sign him off and it's a I, I think it's a good and bad thing that when they did the scan on my leg because my mm-hmm. knee was visibly swollen the mm-hmm. person who did my scan the x-ray only scanned my knee and saw that my knee was fine there was just fluid yeah from impact they did not scan the rest of my leg if they had scanned the rest of my leg they would have noticed that my my fibula is it called a fibula i think so oh, me even i can't even my my leg was yes I, okay and if they had noticed it there they i would have had to stay and get like a cast and do all those things but because they just noticed my knee and my mom had told them she needs to travel so we need clearance so that she travels yeah um they were just like oh no she just needs like heat and cold patches for her knee and she should yeah. be fine so i traveled after those two or three days i i left on the day i was supposed to leave but it is the broken leg with a broken leg that i didn't know was broken hmm? And it completely shook me because, like, I didn't even have time to process that I'd been in an accident. I didn't have time to process pain because I just had to take tablets and go. And you're going to a new country. You have no one. You have no relatives. There's no one who's going to be there. Like, you don't even know where you're going to be staying. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing. You're just taking a chance and going. Um, So I arrived in the UK. Um... I was limping. I told them, oh, I've been in an accident. They were very helpful and very nice. And then one day, I think two or three days after my arrival, I went downstairs to get some food. And on coming back up, I just could not walk. I think I'd pulled a muscle or a nerve. So I called a friend of mine who had been a friend of mine for like years. Didn't even know I was in the UK. <laughs> I just called him. I was like, you have to come get me and take me to the hospital. He's like, where are you? And then I told him my address. And he's like, I didn't even know you were in the UK. I'm like, I know. I have not seen you in years, but you're the yeah. only person I know. Yeah. Please come take me to the hospital. So he drove from wherever he was. Took him mm-hmm. about an hour and a half to come and take me to the hospital. And that's where they discovered that my leg was actually broken. Oh, my God. So for the first six weeks of my stay in the UK, I was in a cast. And then in a boot. So it completely changed very first time. So it completely changed my experience of school and you know that first week of the first term of being at school because I was in pain half the time and Mm. I was trying to just deal with getting by Mm. and getting to know my environment and when you're on those, because I was on heavy medication, I'd sleep most of the time. So if you ask me if I remember anything from term one of school, I didn't remember <laughs> a thing. <laughs> I was on painkillers and sleep yeah. the whole time. And no one else knew what experience I was having because I didn't even have friends at that point. Yeah. Everyone else so- had done Freshers Week and had done this and that. I never had that experience. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What a lonely experience. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is why, Donna, when I started that community of African, I was like, I, w- I do not want anyone to ever feel the way I felt. Oh, yeah. No. So, guys, just some context on the community. Um, when I, so I did, I met Musa in 2018. Was it 2018? I think. 20, no. 
2019. Um, and she had started a what was what is called African Graduate Students Network, um, which was really bringing together African graduate students in the UK um, to kind of come and bond and you know um, network and be had events and I always say that was one of the most defining moments of my time in the UK because it genuinely gave me a reason to I I don't know how to say it but revive myself Mm. because the experience abroad can be really lonely especially when you don't have people who understand what leaving home and moving to a completely different country culture differences Mm. um you know a million and one different differences when you don't have people who really understand that it just makes you stay in your own little bubble Mm. um but having that community was so life-changing and so musa really did the thing with that community she really did the thing that's for sure yeah and that's the root of it i was like i I know what loneliness looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I know what being alone looks like. And yeah. I don't want anyone to ever go through that if I can help it. Mm. Um and so yeah, the, my it 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 even changed how like I experienced school because I wasn't doing all the social stuff. I couldn't. I could go to class and come home, but I yeah. couldn't do anything else. Yeah. Um it changed even my experience of of school which is why like for me as i said redirection has been a constant theme you know of yeah. things that happen sometimes that you can't even control yeah. and they force you to either have a different experience of something or just yeah. you know keep moving um yeah. but yeah it, it 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 does mean there's lots of changes and you have to be open to adapting to your yeah. reality you're constantly changing reality so I managed to get through school. I always say that I think if I had if I had it in my power and if I had the privilege to do so, after the accident, I shouldn't have gone to school. Mm. Because I wasn't in the state of mind to start school. Yeah. And it was way too many changes to be mm. in a new country, to do a new program. And you know how fast a master's for one year is. Oh, yeah. You don't even have time to catch your breath. <laughs> Before you know it, you're sitting down trying to yeah. like do your first draft of your dissertation and you're like, wait, where did the time go? And wait a minute, what even is this dissertation? Before you know it, you're supposed to yeah, be that's... done and submit it. Yeah. And so oh, it's fast. I, I didn't do as great as I thought I could because I mm. my starting point was minus zero. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I did it. I finished it. I, I got through the degree. I did well you know, by any <laughs> any other standard, I actually did yeah. okay. Yeah. And I had to make peace with that, that, oh, okay, fine, I didn't get the grades that I thought I should have gotten mm. or would have loved to get, but I got through uni and I've got that degree and I've, I went through that experience. Um, and as I said, you constant in life, having reality checks and being honest with yourself about your, your situation, your yeah. life and your path is so important because you know um part of our program was to go to geneva mm-hmm. and have like a week's experience at the un you get to meet people you have all these sessions and all this jazz and i was very fortunate that th- for that particular year i got chosen to give the speech at our welcome reception wow 
yeah, you have ambassadors, you have a president or two, you have mm-hmm. you know all these really high level people in that room, and being told being being the one to give this, it's very nerve wracking. Yeah, but I did it, and I remember at the end of the night, you know, I had two three people going, oh, if you come want to work at the UN, if you want to work at this department, mm-hmm. you know, give us a call. And I, I looked, it, it was really, in that moment, really nice. Mm. But I came back to London and I was like, okay, I've got these, yes, semi-offers and I could follow up. But my reality is I am the breadwinner at home. Mm. Most UN internships don't pay. Oh, yeah. And at that point, I was paying for my brother to go through uni. Mm. And I was like, it would be great to chase this this dream of you know yeah. I always used to laugh at my friends that I would you know be the next UN secretary general because mm-hmm. I'm very diplomatic when I speak to certain people <laughs> that's true uh, yeah that's so true. it was always like oh so you should you should definitely and I I I mean I I still have that dream yeah but I had to do a reality check and say hmm okay if I chase this dream what does that mean for my family which is why when I started talking, I told you, like, you have to ask yourself, what have what has been the recurring theme in your life? Yeah. Who, what have you always chosen in life? And what will yeah. you choose in life? I've always chosen family. Mm. I'm, I'm a family value person. Like, that, yeah. is, that is me. Yeah. And so I had to let go of the career ambitious Musa wants to work for the UN. And I took a job that allowed me to have a salary able to pay for my brother for me to be able to stay in the uk um which is nothing as great as you know working at the un or uh has led me to that point yet (laughs) but i right now i i always love that i'm going to be a full-time creator i am i'm a full-time creative you are (laughs) i literally am so i'm heading a marketing department at a charity and I'm writing articles for this magazine called Amateur Photographer. And mm-hmm. I'm doing my photography as a side business as well. Mm-hmm. I'm in a place where I'm a full-time creator. Yeah. Would I have ever dreamed of being a full-time creative like this? No, not really. But I found that passion along the way. And I mm-hmm. embraced it. Which is why I said, now I speak from acceptance. Where you embrace who, who you are and what your reality is. And that's okay. And while people might, well, I always have conversations with people who go, oh, but you could have done, I'm like, yeah, I could have. I might yeah. still. But while it doesn't look like I'm doing X, Y, and Z on the global level, while you don't see certain accomplishments on LinkedIn, if I yeah. tell you how many kids in my family have gone through school because I've been able to pay their school, mm-hmm. that for me is life-changing. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Man, you know, I feel like I have chills because I feel like it's really de- redefining what success looks like. Yeah. Um, and I think we are so caught up with vanity metrics. Mm. Um, you know, I have X number of followers, you know, or I have X amount of accomplishments or, you know, awards or this and that. Mm-hmm. All these vanity metrics that determine who we are, you know, and something i know you're also very vocal about talking is black tax yeah um which i think is something we'll also touch on on another episode you know but 
everything it's when you're on the outside looking in everything looks aligned you know everything looks aligned but when you're in the thick of it you know when you have to give up your dream to ensure that your family Mm. survives in the thick of it it's you ask yourself a lot of questions and not even just yourself you ask life a lot of questions yeah you know a lot of why me's Mm. you know um you know is there not a better way and it doesn't come from not wanting your family to have the best or wanting to support them but it 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 can also come from okay but like when is it my turn yes you know and so how were you able to kind of process that i think um you know that last question there i said when is it ever my turn Mm. i flipped it and said my turn to do what Ooh. But what about your turn to get the UN job or be the secretary or pursue that, you know? This that... is the thing about life. You never know where you're going to end up. I might, mm. you know, I, I have a, I have a friend of mine who I, I've, I went, I, as I said, I've given a speech in the Geneva building. Right. Yeah. And this friend of mine is someone I've known recently who knows me solely as a creator, as a mm-hmm. photographer. And he's like, I dreamt of you speaking at the UN. Wow. I dreamt that I was taking photos of you because you were giving a speech about something. For me, that's that's when I say God is constantly reminding me through other mm-hmm. people that you might think your dream isn't hasn't been realized, but maybe it's not just time yet. And it will be. Oh, please say it for us at the back. <laughs> so <laughs> I as I said, like when you flip and say, for my turn to do what? Mm. My turn to speak at the UN. There will be a time where I will work for the UN. I just don't know when yet. I can't tell mm. you on on my, you know, sex, whether it's in five or ten years. Which is, I hate those questions. They're like, oh, where do you see yourself in five, ten years? I feel like there's certain people who, with, like, planning and, uh, you know, routine they know exactly where they're going to go and i feel that's it's great when you can do that and i admire that but there's also another group of people who just never know i can't tell you where in five to ten years and live on grace Mm. oh that's such a powerful statement live purely on grace and you're okay to say i surrender that i might not know what my timeline looks like but while i'm waiting I'm not going to be idle. I'm not going to be just miserable. And that's what I've chosen, which is why acceptance doesn't look like defeat. Acceptance is saying, mm-hmm. while I'm waiting for X, Y, and Z to materialize or to happen, what am I doing in the meantime? Mm-hmm. So I told myself, yes, until I become the UN Secretary General, I am going to master my writing skills. Mm-hmm. I am going to master being you know, a communication specialist. Yeah. Because those are the skills that will be required when I get to that level. Yeah. So whether I'm writing about fridges, whether I'm writing about fashion, mm-hmm. whether I'm writing about, you know, international students' experiences in London, I will be the very best at that. Man, you know, I think the most difficult thing is always the day-to-day. And yeah. and I, I love this reframing of it because I think something I've also been trying to the mindset I've been trying to put myself in is that mindset of be diligent with what you're doing in this very moment yes. um 
and it's good to have you know big visions and big dreams mm. but the little things matter too mm. uh you know because we often think it's it's just about getting to that big thing and it's like take it off my list mm-hmm. um and like something i wrote on like my intention board was to be you know consistent in the big and little things and the little things especially because it's very easy to sit at a job and you know and think that cleaning features is not going to help you anywhere yeah or to reject the job i could have i could have been that oh, yeah. child who rejects and says <laughs> after going to school for all four years you see me cleaning fridges I, I could have rejected that job. And I think many of us do. Because honestly, if I sit down and think about it, <laughs> I don't know if I'd have accepted it, Musa. I, let me just be honest. Mm. I don't know. And it makes me wonder, like, how many times do we miss those moments of, you know, blessings because maybe we are too proud to step into something that doesn't fit our package. Mm. Um, and It's not an easy thing to do. Because yeah. it's like... I'm going through this. I say acceptance, yes. But I I can't stand here and say, oh, like I fully accepted myself. Mm-hmm. I am pr-. No, there are days when I have serious self-doubt and like, oh God, oh God, I'm wasting time. Oh, what yeah. am I doing in my life? Oh, what's yeah. the point of this? Or what's the point of that? But I think if you're constantly having that conscious discussion with yourself, that mm-hmm. conscious reflection and choosing True. It's like when people say, "Oh, love is a love is a, life is a choice as well." You have to choose yeah. yourself over and over and over again. So for me, of late, or well, in the last year and a half, it's been this battle between fully embracing myself as a creative. So mm. I've I'm great at creative stuff, yeah, <laughs> but I've always shied away from calling myself a creative. Do you know why? Because why? all these years I studied politics. I should be, mm. you know, I have an identity that I had made in my head mm. that was an ideal for me. And to let yeah. go of that identity, to embrace another identity, that's a process. Mm. And that is a long, even longer process because you have to be able to say to yourself, yes, I did this. I studied this. I was great. I've got the validation, i.e. Mm. certificates to show that I am good at this. Now, for me to embrace this identity as a creative, whose validation am I seeking? Mm. And I, I said to myself, okay, fine. If it's validation that you want, that your art is good, put yourself out there. So this year, I've put myself that I'm going to apply for at least three exhibitions. I've just gotten into one. Woo, congrats. So as I said, like, if you know whose validation you're trying to seek or what validation you need to be able to accept and embrace, it's it's okay to actually look for it. If it's a, 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 a if it's a, it's a qualification that you want, go and get it. Because yeah. it, it does help to get that yeah. validation to some extent. Yeah. After, over and above your own validation of saying it's okay, go out there and get that validation. So for yeah. me, it was... Okay, if I want to feel and say to myself and to others that I'm a creative, mm. maybe if I exhibit my work and put it out there and it's accepted, yeah. critiqued, I get feedback and other people see it, maybe I'll start seeing myself and embracing myself fully as a creative. Mm. And as I've said, I've just gotten my first London one. So wow. it's a process, but it's a conscious process that I'm putting effort into. 
no matter how difficult it hurts yeah. and and i mean i've had to even give up a relationship over this <laughs> because whoa yeah wait yeah the one the <laughs> one oh yes dada oh i am single yes um yeah because oh. the person had an identity that they thought i was going to be or should yeah be. and i was like hold on <laughs> i'm i'm this person and yeah. if you're not content with this person you can go yeah and i gave them a whole year relationship for that so it is a painful process i will not it's a very painful process but oh you are so brave the peace of mind that has come with this process yeah. i will not lie to you i i will not give that up for anything mm. or anyone mm. <laughs> yeah i go to bed happy I wake up happy. Not to say like every day. I mean, you know, like yeah. weather. It's gray. Oh, rain. Sucks. It's the dark. Out, but there's no heat. There's no warmth. I've never understood that. And I, I, never I personally live in one room, not even a whole house or whole. <laughs> one room. But I am happy. Yeah. Because I have finally made peace with myself. Mm. And it does not matter what cost it will come at if it's a relationship cost i've paid the cost yeah why it's okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's not an easy one and yeah. you have to want there's there's a there's a certain joy and comfort in being complacent and just going with the flow or yeah. just going with what is expected of you in life mm. it's, yeah. it's very comfortable and some days I envy people who can just go with the flow. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> must be having it good. I mean, you don't have to do these internal fights and like, that's all. It must be really good. You just know what yeah. you want. You just go for it. And wow, lucky you. But there's some people like us who have to work extra hard to just find yeah. themselves. Yeah, and we're it's just winging okay. it. We're just winging it in life. We're just winging it, landing on their feet each time and going, "Wow, okay, <laughs> how do we I try it? again tomorrow?" Exactly, <laughs> and it's okay. I think that's gonna be my favorite line from this whole conversation, <laughs> and and it's okay because even as we as we you know just wrap this up, and I think what's really standing up to out to me standing that's correct english standing out um is that there's there's nothing that happens in life that's that's a waste no you know it's always or or that's inconsequential actually the word i'm looking for is inconsequential Mm. um because i think i have been in ever since i came back home in when did i come back home 2020 Mm-hmm. I don't know why I keep on thinking I came back home in 2019, but 2020, ever since I came back in 2020, I've just been in this limbo of like, nothing is aligning. Nothing is making sense. Mm-hmm. I don't understand where the little things I'm doing are adding up to because they don't seem like they're adding up to anything. I'm just somewhere there, mm-hmm. um, you know, but being able to hear your story and one, tell myself, you know what, where I'm at right now, it's actually okay. Mm-hmm. The things that seem inconsequential will one day be quite consequential and will actually amount to something. It doesn't have to be a 
big thing, but it will be something of impact. Mm. Um, and just realizing that life does align itself. The most important thing is to is to really be very intentional about understanding who am I as I. Mm. You know, aside from you know the ideals that the people have or the ideas even I had of myself or the images I painted, mm. you know, having that real intention to really know myself and allow myself to change as life goes mm, because yeah. like who I was two years ago is not who I am now exactly. and if I keep on saying that Dana is this and this and this person you know but right now I'm just not that person mm. I'll keep on having unnecessary internal wars yeah. you know so if I'd always thought that I would be you know I don't know a doctor mm. but I suddenly find myself in a space where I really love to swim and I think I want to be an Olympic swimmer what what should stop me it's okay to change it's okay it's okay to change and it's also okay to I really like what you say about reality because <laughs> ah let me tell you I'm such a delusional queen me and my stuff keep on laughing <laughs> <laughs> about like just you know like just like sometimes you just need delusion to go through life but um just also the thing that if this is your reality now it doesn't mean it will be your reality forever yeah you know, just being able to be like, this is it now. I can find joy in what is right now. Yes. Um, and realities do change. And even if it doesn't change, mm. that's usually where the problem starts, you know, because I'd say, even if it doesn't change, I'm like, it better, it better change. Yeah. But, you know, even if it doesn't change, my understanding of self and my understanding of what I've been called to do, mm. you know, will still have an impact in my current reality yeah and you, you know, know like so... the, the whole thing about purpose and what's your calling mm. it's always people always think that it's something grand yeah it's something life-changing it's yeah. something you know the impact is supposed to be felt supposed to sense yeah. you know waves and Sometimes you know your purpose could be to change one person. One on this oh, planet yeah. that is eight billion, your purpose could be to change one person. One out of eight billion. One. That could oh, be yeah. your purpose. So as I said, we're so consumed with this need to do things at a global level that we forget mm-hmm. that there's a local level, there's a family level, and there's a cellular level of cell mm-hmm. peace. So you don't know, you might have started this podcast from a sense of trying to just create that safe space to talk about how you are processing life and how other people are processing life. But what you might find is in having these conversations or people listening to these conversations, Mm -hmm. they might actually start to think more about their own lives and you start you you've started a conversation or a train of thoughts that someone else needed to have Mm. so there is there is impact in everything you do like every single it as i said it could be just feeding the dogs yeah like Like it's (laughs) we, we 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 take it for granted that the little things we get oh, yeah. to do oh this is another thing that my friends and i have started saying to each other like mm-hmm. when you forever you find yourself doing a, a task that you find so boring or mm-hmm. so ugh, or having to do something in life like pay your black tax and you're like yeah. jesus i just 
just turn it around and say, I get to do this. Yeah. Just say, just, I get to do this, which is a perspective of gratitude or saying, oh, hmm, I get to do this. No one else. I get to do this. And it's okay. It reminds me of a, there's a tweet. There's a, so she tweeted her prayer, mm. her work prayer every morning. And this, and so I like, you know, downloaded that photo and put it as my, um, screensaver on my laptop at least to you know every morning open my laptop and just pray that prayer mm. and that statement reminds me of this line it anytime I you know say it it takes me aback because I'm like you know it's it's you have, really have to have an attitude of gratitude but it says you know God I don't say this enough but thank you for choosing me for this assignment mm. and you know, anytime it comes to that line I'm kind of forced to actually be very intentional about actually um thanking and yeah. being and, and saying you know thank you because sometimes the assignment is really hard mm. it's um frustrating um it can give you sleepless nights mm. and many tears you know um but thank you for choosing me for this assignment mm. and it and you know just in terms of what you said in you know, um the line you and your friends you know just kind of I get to do this I, I get it's I think it really does reframe how we step into life you Mm -hmm. know and that doesn't mean every morning we'll wake up with such enthusiasm to say that I get to do this some days you'll really like just groan it out like I get to do this guys and sometimes you need someone else to say do you (laughs) days where I'm just like oh and then my friend will say it I'm like okay 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 And that's and that community is so important in yeah. this life because you know it's really true where two or three are you know are gathered you're able to lift each other up mm. um and be able to support each other and man musa thank you so much for sharing your story i think thank you i think, I think this is the first time i've ever shared most of my life story yeah 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 you know, before just man Anytime, guys, anytime I talk with Musa, I just like. <laughs> I think this, my life this is the problem. Is we have very intense conversations. <laughs> oh my gosh. Musa and I could go to, like not talking for a year. And then the yeah. moment we talk like this, it's like a two and a half hour conversation of deep things. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know what? I, I love this because I think when I genuinely think about my master's program oh i'm not about to start crying oh god god <laughs> i just keep on i i keep on thanking god so much for musa and also for tony yeah both of you who you know the three of us came together to do this amazing project that you were able to conceive and just the friendships it brought and the you know although we went through covid mm. you know at the end of it all being able to do cute little you know um spend time together and i just i i keep on saying there are things in there there are people in life and opportunities in life that actually come to save you mm-hmm. um and for me that's what you know this relationship was and being part of agsn was it was a season of just reigniting my spirit again and, and being like you know what um we each have something to do in this life, whether it's big, whether it's small. Anyway, there's nothing small. Everything is something yeah. in, in this grand scheme of life. Everyone is doing 
something that is consequential. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I just want to talk about that word that you mentioned, season. Someone asked me why I'm not doing the AGSN anymore. Yeah. And I was just like, I think it was, there was a season that I had to do it. And maybe mm. it was just to find you and to find Tony. But do you know it could also yeah, you know, that's a thing. that it, there was a season for that and it worked at that particular time and I, yeah. I it served its purpose and I feel like I could not do it again with the same sort of impact because yeah. it's, it'll be completely different now yeah but no. maybe in that season it was just so that I could meet you because I wouldn't have met you otherwise do you know Honestly, I don't think we would have even known yeah. the existence, you know. And and I think you saying that makes me think of how granular life can be. Yeah. Sometimes it's not, it, you know, the big picture is part of it. But sometimes those granular things are mm-hmm. what it's really about, mm-hmm. you know. Because I think, because I, I remember, God, I am not going to shed tears, please. I remember. <laughs> um. You know, because finished my undergrad 2019, was going back September 2019 for my master's program. And I remember uh, talking with my mom and telling her, mom, my biggest prayer, you know, as I go into my master's, I don't want to be as sad as I was. Mm. And I want friends. I want, and not and not that I didn't have friends before. I was very specific. I want African friends. Mm. I want friends who I can be able to talk to about the issues we have at home mm. and we I don't want to explain. I want to friend. I want friends who they can literally speak, and we don't speak the same language. But I get what you're trying to say. Yeah. Like I, I truly get what you're trying to say. And I remember saying that's honestly, if God just grants me this wish for my master's program, just to be with people who understand me, people who I can understand, people who I can do things that I can relate with. Mm-hmm. You know, because if it's, I, I wanted to be able to. You know how we, you know, you guys come over to my place and we dance to, mm. you know, Afrobeat or like Salty Soul, <laughs> to like yeah. late in the morning and to do things like that. And that was my biggest prayer. And I think now when you've mentioned how maybe it was just to find each other, you yeah. know, for me now, I'm just like, oh, I just, the granular aspect of life is amazing. That you know, Your prayer you was know. answered. <laughs> I was thinking I'm doing a little side project I'm (laughs) you know doing my social good for the world and it was just so that Dana's prayer could be answered (laughs) that's how life works (laughs) oh yo guys this is this is both extremely emotional and funny at the same time because you know like I think each of us needed an aspect of ATSN Mm. you know um and that's the most and man i think i just got a, a, a notification on my instagram and tony's just posted something and talked about oh mr thanks for starting the ages <laughs> see like <laughs> genuinely like as you said everyone needed a part of it and we we it's all true. got that bit of it and yeah we've gone on in our lives and we still yeah. carry that oh okay that that bit of my life was great and that thing oh, yeah. you know brought certain people into my life yeah. And now that I'm moving on to a different season, you know, I might not move at the exact same pace with those people, but mm. that's okay. But I, I still have them, you know, and yeah. I'm glad I even met them at that point in their lives. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, guys, I hope not that you better have learned something from this episode <laughs> because <laughs> I really, I really have just, I've loved it. And I think let people know where they can find you on the socials. If anyone's in London and wants to come for the exhibition, oh, tell yes. us about that. Uh Guys, I love talking to people. I think I, I will be banned from DMs at some point in my life. So my DMs are forever open. If you're in London and you need someone to just, you know, catch a cup of tea with or just go f- find some African music or food, call yeah. me. Um, Instagram is like my thing. I don't know yeah. how people do it on Twitter, but Instagram mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, Umusa underscore Wenkosi. And I use the same on Twitter. So the same username, Umusa underscore Wenkosi. Um, the exhibition is from the 9th of March until the 7th of May. It's mm-hmm. at the House of Photography, the Fuji Film House of Photography in London. It's very close mm-hmm. to Covent Garden. So if you want to go see it, it's free. Um, it's coming on on Women's Day. So yay. Um, and yeah, it's my first London exhibition, which I'm very excited. As I said, like, I'm super, what answers <laughs> Super, super really excited does. about it. Um. Yeah, I'll be sure to link your socials in the description as the podcast girlies say, um, so people can click and connect. Um, and if anyone's in London, please check out the exhibition. And once again, Musa, thank you so much for being part of this podcast episode. Ah, I think it's always so healing to talk. It really is. Thank you so much, Dana. Like, as I, it, it really came at a. At a good time. Yeah. Um, where I felt like I'm also in a space where I can speak. Mm. I think for the longest time I have been quiet. Yeah. Intentionally quiet because I didn't want the one thing I hate is speaking when I don't think or mm. don't feel all right. So yeah. I rather speak when I'm I'm in a good space. And I yeah. think this was the most perfect time to have this chat. So thank you so much. And if you're listening and you're thinking you're just wing it, you're not the only one. Yes. And it's okay. It's okay. And it's okay. It's ah. okay. I feel like I did that as like a like a. I should have that on a t-shirt or a Honestly. cap actually. It says it's okay. Mm. Because oh, <laughs> we're just winging it and it's okay. Yeah, love it. so much for listening to the just winging it podcast please make sure to subscribe share and comment if you have any questions please feel free to reach out to me all information will be in the description thank you so much guys for all the support and all the love bye